Welcome back, everyone who came down with Terminal New You Mania, aka the New You Maniacs. We are back at the spinner rack here at season four of the Marvel New Universe Comics Podcast, the voice of the new universe. Or maybe the new new universe. We're your hosts. Uh, wouldn't Terminal New You Mania mean they're dead and thus not listening? Just dying. That's oh, okay. Also... All right. Listen on the way down. <laughs> Host number one, Andy, uh, covering Starbrand 13, unless someone intervenes and wants to just talk about Kickers Inc. number six again or something. Hmm. You present a strong case. And this is Steven as the unbelieving spectator to disaster. In <laughs> or disaster? Yes. Follow along. We'll she'll tell you all about it. In 1986, the new universe was launched as an imprint for Marvel Comics dedicated to a more grounded and less fantastic approach to comics and world building. The original idea was the world outside your window with real-time progress and greater realism. After the first year, some books were canceled, although we are seeing their characters in other places, and the remaining books have gotten consistent creative teams, their origins were streamlined, and they are becoming more action-oriented in the wake of the world-shaking disaster, The Pit. Who knows what they'll do next? Pit puns have increased 100%, too. <laughs> you know, I, I, I wish I'd read this back when I moved to Pittsburgh and was like always pitting it up with folks and <laughs> them asking me what I'm talking about. Um, with our podcast, you can follow along with us each week as we go through each comic in the order they hit the spinner rack or the direct market uh, comic retailer shelf, as it is. Or just check out individual comics if you already have a favorite. We have a season four trivia challenge, which is uh, most likely already available on our website, kickersinc.com. And you can also find us over on x formerly known as twitter at kickers inc i Are think we're gonna stop saying formerly known as twitter i don't know you know i i've had such patreon also be, got like a new interface like last week hmm. i i don't know what's going on anyway this week we get back to bi-monthly flagship the star brand Ken Connell, the original bearer of the star brand, becomes defocused as the story moves into other people who take up the mantle of the most powerful weapon in the universe. Where we are all missing the like romance comic, many available women part. That was the fun. <laughs> but, but yeah, so this week's star brand number 13. At last, mm. birth of Ken Connell's child. The star brand is passed on for the first time, and wait, wait till you see who gets it. Uh, written and penciled by John Byrne, sort of. Uh, inked by Tom Palmer. Direct sales only, $1.25. Unless you're in Canada, $1.75. <laughs> weak Sorry, currency. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, place your bets now. <clears throat> I say duck is a one-to-one. Odds, Star Baby, the uh, birth of Ken Connell's child, maybe ten to one. 
Roger or Jane, whatever their names was, 100 to 1 each. And I'll put Myron in the pool at 1,000 to 1 odds. Hmm. Any takers? My money's on Roger, because at least then I can make some money. And... <laughs> <laughs> I will uh, cover those bets, assuming you bet uh, less than a penny. Um, hmm. Anyway, we'll also be discussing the Starbrand mail, uh, the the extra material they put in at the end, and uh, some of which is quite unexpected. And uh, a lot of discussion probably uh, just about the issue itself, of which there are many interesting aspects. Big doings are happening. <laughs> you know, I, I, I would have thought that, you know, blowing up the city I live in would be the thing that would be most disappointing. <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> you got a, a wide array of disappointing selections to choose from. <laughs> Uh, this is certainly one of the books of all time <laughs> right <laughs> all right starbrand 13 may 1988 uh though likely it was available fe- february 16th 1988 so almost in the 90s almost um yeah so it, it's part of the the new format um well maybe we should do the cover first there's a recap and such our our cover is a little interesting uh so fancy the star brand logo uh which is new in this case is that right i forgot to look shoot that was the same one but yeah it's newish perhaps don't want to delay on that and uh you got a blue background the cover title is the next generation and there's a creepy looking baby on the front and center so it's creepy looking baby it's kind of shadowed so you can't see its features uh also appears to be genderless uh it's got the star brand symbol in back behind it and then like arms of terror kind of like from our pov uh, which looked like a woman's arms, like, like oh no, creepy baby. Yeah, like a woman is being attacked by a very creepy baby. Uh, I'm gonna say the logo is about the same from Twelve. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. Like, there's there's feminine fingernails on the arms. Um, baby is dripping. <laughs> Slimy baby. <laughs> And his eye, the eye, the glowing eyes are, are I think, a mistake, honestly. If, yeah, yeah, it evokes the terrible movie *Child's Play*. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. Well, anyway, uh, I, I jumped ahead a little bit. Uh, in the inside cover now has a recap as well as you know the writing team. Um, like we said, a lot of these issues now have a bunch of extras crammed into the back, some not necessarily that well thought out. Um, but it kind of starts with the star brand, the most potent object of power the Earth has ever seen, where it came from, how it got to Earth, what energies it employs are unfathomable, unfathomable, uh, unfathomable mysteries. Uh, even though, John Byrne, I thought you were going to clarify some of this stuff. Uh, yeah, it's, whosoever... you're going to explain everything. Nope, it's an unfathomable mystery. <laughs> okay. 
Whosoever wields its power can do virtually anything. The only limitation to its use is the imagination and courage of its wielder, um, which I took as a slam. <laughs> Either on Ken or Jim Shooter in general, but maybe I'm reading too much into it. Um, I, man, like we, we could start off like with like, is this meta or not? Yeah, it's like you right. and let's imagine you were the publisher of a line of uh creative uh products we'll call them graphic books and <laughs> you know you could do anything you wanted to you were limited only by your courage and imagination mm. well wouldn't you have done more than this uh... <laughs> okay Great. move on yeah there is interesting stuff in here i want to hit so yeah yeah so um it talks a little bit about the old man. So uh, old man, previously a Dutch count, uh, had the brand 500 years ago, uh, aged slowly. Um, and so the old man, when he transferred the power to an asteroid, created a flash of energy that was the white event. And that's kind of started the new universe. Um, it says lasted two seconds, but at worldwide consequences, two mil two human beings in every million were affected by those energies and began to change, assuming paranormal forms and abilities. Now, I want to point this out. Injustice and DP7, they also had this uh, thing about the white event. But I think it in each of those, it was in one person out of every million. Hmm. Um, so two <laughs> out of a million is, uh, let's say, 500 in just the continental U.S. At that point, it's like 200, 250 million people. <laughs> so that gives you a pretty reasonable number of of powered people running around right so, not totally crazy yeah we had a uh discussion months and months ago about like a uh article i found about like uh, if you have like one one in a million people and like built a superhero universe out of that uh starting oh, with right, that yeah. concept so as far as i can tell this is the first time they've given a real number to it so yeah anyway. a little bit of uh world building in the recap why not <laughs> um but yeah so uh, most recently um you know so ken sort of defeated the old man once and for all again maybe who knows <laughs> why does he keep saying um, that and he said he sort of absorbed his memories and that's how he knew all some of these older things uh and then was convinced by myron to give up the star brand with with a strange idea of putting it into you know an object but you know flying into space ahead of time kind of thing thinking that even though you always retain some of the power then Somehow he would have gotten rid of it and survived it or controlled it. It didn't really make a whole lot of sense. Um, but that caused the pit disasters because Ken was too close to the planet, exploded, took a chunk out of Pittsburgh and created this weird environment now that some of the other comics have kind of explored where every, everything just kind of disappeared. And, you know, there's kind of a swampy magma liquidy mess of goop in the bottom. <laughs> I just want to point this out again that Myron was a big proponent of this idea because just because I was reading this issue again today. Yeah. Um, 
and he was like you've got to get rid of that thing before you change into this you know weird creature permanently and i realized just like two pages before they had said oh this other guy has had this power for 500 years and he still looks normal but right right you just enter that state when you're damaged basically it doesn't make any sense iron's the smart one (laughs) hey well they made myron evil and ken stupid and (laughs) anyway Anyway, i mean last last little bit that's a little interesting out of here is uh john byrne was writer and then did breakdowns and then it's got tom palmer danny bulanati and joe rubenstein as finishes so some combination of art and inking with a lot of people yeah that's uh it's an interesting uh whatever uh crew um working on this um Bulanati, of course uh was help doing a lot with dp7 rubenstein i think was doing the official handbook uh entries like they had him he was the guy who would like ink all of them so they had a more of a consistent look but okay just a thought and I was actually thinking maybe Byrne actually just had a, a mental breakdown while he was working on this. And he's, <laughs> this is like his confession. He's in charge of breakdowns. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Anyway. Well, anyway, the comic. Uh, Titleist Ghosts uh, opening. Splash. Are we done yet? Pickers oh. <laughs> Inc. number six. Hijack. <laughs> Written by Terry Kavanaugh and Ron Altaville. <laughs> um, no. Um, cover splash page is Duck. I'm gonna still call her Debbie, though now apparently her name's Maddie, and Debbie was a nickname or something, or Duck was a nickname. I don't know, it's stupid. Uh, uh, but she's there standing in front of one of our favorite characters, you know, the pit guard guy who always somehow gets knocked out or thrown to the side or something. Bad things always happen to these guys. He says, look, lady, I told you a hundred times all wet already. <laughs> Country sounding? Uh, nobody gets through. Nobody. She's like, but I gotta. I gotta see. And so we say, three miles from the pit, February 29th, 1988. And uh, Duck's standing there in winter gear. It's like a total snowy scene, but there's like barbed wire and such. And then... Uh, Two those two random friends, uh, Roger and Jane, um, Roger with the cane, are kind of like standing in the way back behind her, like they drove her there. Um, and uh, you know, the guard kind of shuts her down. It's like, yeah, you and every other ghoul for a thousand miles round. Now beat it. <laughs> and Roger, I'm, met... I'm thinking the guard is supposed to be like a Pittsburgh accent. Is it? Um, yeah, it's it's been pretty weird with like in the past trying to give one to to duck so i'm not really sure it, it but it just a, a thought i can't tell if this is like just u.s army or maybe national guard something like that he doesn't sort of identify himself no um you know roger and are like we got to do something that's no good for her to be so upset it, not in her condition oh oh yeah i mean part of the recap that i missed i suppose was duck is pregnant with ken's baby yeah she's very pregnant in this looks very uh you know late term yeah it's got a solid like 80s looking winter outfit going on too so, well, yeah well, a lot of this is um you know, it's it's been kind of variable with like the different books, like how wintry they make any, all of this uh, that's been going on in the last couple months look. 
but we're getting into late February, which is pretty pretty cold. So yeah, this is pretty reasonable. Yeah. So well, the guards shutting her down. Jack's like, everyone I know was there. My mom. I really got to get there. And then Roger steps up, and this is kind of a weird one. Uh, he's quite a bit shorter than the guard. He's like, who are you? And he says, name's Price, soldier. Roger Price. I'm director of the North Central Ohio Division of the March of Dimes. <laughs> he holds up his March of Dimes card. He says, yes, and my wife here is with the Red Cross. We're here on a disaster relief business. Um, hate to see your shoes. I'd hate to be in your shoes when your superiors find out you delayed us here. Like the army's going to be beholden to the March of Dimes. So maybe <laughs> um, initially the soldier's not having it. He's like, yeah, don't get all high and mighty in me. You know, what's Ohio? You know, somebody from Ohio got to do with Pennsylvania. They're arguing. Um, uh, Jane goes to <laughs> Ohio's right next to Pennsylvania. But... <laughs> okay, whatever. It's like, Tell me when you got a card from the Pennsylvania March of Dimes, loser. <laughs> uh, so, you know, Jane's there to, to kind of support uh, Duck, and uh, Duck's not feeling well. She's like, Jane, I feel funny. Uh, and then we get this interesting, like, there's a little, like, asterisk kind of mark, like something pops into the guard's head and he's like well sir since you are here on official business you better go on through in fact since the terrain gets pretty rough let me arrange for you to use one of our vehicles um which i can only assume that unless this is the world's worst writing roger has some sort of interesting psychic powers no no the i I missed this completely the first read through but it's duck in the panel before that says jane i feel funny and then oh. a second later the guard is like snap so oh. you know like baby kicked and suddenly there's a well twist. hey good catch <laughs> yeah that's a little subtle but... yeah i don't think he would get that unless you, it was like on a second read kind of thing that will make a little more sense later i suppose um star brand has limit power limited only by your imagination i guess right um Oh, well, I thought Roger was going to be slightly interesting. I guess not. <laughs> Continues to be so boring, pointless character. Uh, I, I, I love uh, Roger's like whiny, uh, officious, demanding yeah. qualities. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Do you know who you're talking to? <laughs> what? Yeah. Anyway. So, so they're riding in a Humvee towards the pit. All, right. All of a sudden, everybody wants to go, even though clearly there's nothing you can do at this point. Um, yeah, the duck's in the back saying, yeah, I'm okay, I think. It was just sort of this weird feeling, kind of like when the baby moves, only different, you know? Um, and, you know, Jane's like, it seems to me like everything about this pregnancy is a little more than a little weird. I'm worried about your safety. Uh, your father was some kind of superhero. If the baby inherited any of these powers, you know, maybe you should consider a therapeutic abortion. And, and Duck says no. <laughs> Wait, now just back up here a second. B Maddie is is pretty big. I mean, this is like I don't know, seven eight months. I don't know. But, it's hard uh, to tell. At least at least in most of the images, you don't really get to see a bump. But yeah, she's definitely. <laughs> I'm like. Hey, you ever think about getting an abortion? Like, 
what are we just like, um, you know, five minutes before the babies do? It's like, sure, you don't want to get that abortion instead. Jane is, uh, you know, has that sort of middle aged woman who never had kids look of like, you know, what's really you should be thinking about, Duck, is, you know, if your abortion rights have been protected by this experience, I don't know. <laughs> Interestingly really enough, uh, from page three to page four, Duck's hat changes. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> it's like classic poofball oh, hat right, right, right. to no poofball. What happened? <laughs> I don't know. I, I was, I would just say the, like the bottom of page, bottom left of page four, that, that look, you know, of her, the expression she has there is just weird to me, but yeah, I'm just a, a mixture of artists probably is that's kind yeah, of weirding this out. Um, but you know, so Duck's, Duck's like, no, I can't do that. Kenny's ghost asked me not to. What? what? <laughs> uh, didn't want to mention it before on kind of how crazy it sounds, but two weeks ago when I was asleep in your guest bedroom, how the hell did he find her there anyway? Um, and yeah, so we get a little flashback in blue uh, to Duck sleeping, awoken by Ken Connell, looking kind of haggard. Um, so again, a little odd. Uh, I, my read of this is this really happened, uh, although there is some ghosts involved, <laughs> which we'll get to in a minute. <laughs> yeah, there's ghosts, but uh, you know, there's also ghosts. I what? Yeah, Ken looks terrible. Um, he does. <laughs> Yeah, like really, really terrible. Um, but he yeah. looks human, I should say that. He does, yeah. And so he says, I'm sorry, Duck. Um, so he apologizes for for saying that the baby wasn't his and that like weird issue where where Ken acted extremely out of character. He's like, I was wrong about a lot of things, but I've had time to think about it all alone, and I'm sorry I denied the baby, our baby. I love you, Duck. I always have. And this baby, well, I was just stupid before. I was being some kind of macho jerk as usual. Now it's different. It's like different, different. Why? Um, because because of the love I feel for you, Duck, and for you and our baby. Isn't that reason enough? And then the comic ends. I'm like, all right, that's a nice little happy ending. <laughs> Actually, we're still on page came five. Back. Yeah, and came uh, back, reunites with Duck. Uh, baby turns out normal um you know they, they put that whole pittsburgh thing behind them maybe move to philadelphia or something it's plenty of crime there for for ken to work on stopping it's true um there's uh you know also nice spots in the caribbean i know ken liked to go swimming sometimes and i bet ducky did too yeah, well, Philadelphia gets old. You know, you only have so many cheesesteaks. Go, go move to a nice sunny beach location. Uh, but now, in fact, there's more comic. Uh, Ken gets interrupted. Uh, someone in the, from off panel says, "Not by half, Ken." And uh, Myron shows up. <laughs> uh, really, the least expected thing I've <laughs> what I'd expected. <laughs> It's like, yes, Ken, it's your dear old pal Myron. Like, uh, who's vaporized? Yeah, and he's he look somehow looks weirder, like different, yet never better. Yeah. Every time you see Myron, he doesn't quite look like he did before, but he never looks better. It's always somewhat worse. I don't understand it. Oh, Myron. 
I was like, Myron, I killed you. <laughs> You're dead. He's like, you killed a lot of people, Ken, maybe a million people in less than a microsecond. And unlike you, we didn't get better. Um, uh, Duck asks what's going on. Where, and then Ghost Myron explains, you know, don't try to explain to her. She can't see or hear me. Only you can. Uh, something weird happened to me after you destroyed Pittsburgh. Someone was there with your reflection in his gla- glasses of the witness who in the pit was like talking to all of the Pittsburghians uh, as if there were ghosts that were mad at him. Yeah, I went back and looked at those pages, did not see Myron identifiably in those crowds. But yeah, yeah the, the witness you know, going went into the pit and saw a vision or ghosts or something. We thought it was just like his own breakdown more than a real thing, but right. Cause you I know, mean, the new universe probably doesn't have ghosts. Probably. Probably. <laughs> uh, so Myron goes on to say, I'm going to be your Jiminy cricket. Uh, I'm going to make you sure you never screw up again. Like yeah, that's worked out great last time. Myron. Uh, and you can start by being honest with her, uh, which kind of freaks out. Ken He's like, no, I can't. Uh, and then he kind of scrambles and says, like, oh, I got to go. Promise me one thing. Don't do anything to harm the baby. It's all that's left of me. All that can ever be. So not, no real clue as to what Myron's referring to here, I don't think. Like, it, it, Yeah, it's a, it, yeah, it just befuddled me as well. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, that's so weird... yeah, we th- for not the, for the last time we get this sort of like, Here's a uh, an assertion, and then someone telling you, "Oh, this is wrong. This is completely messed up." And we don't get like a, "Oh, what's the real story?" I don't know. It just kind of moves on, right? So there's I something fishy with Ken. Fishier than just surviving the causing the death of the million people. But okay, yeah, it doesn't really make any sense. Which we're just gonna keep saying, I think, but. Um... Yeah. <laughs> so at the end of the flashback, you know, they're they're still driving towards the pit in the Humvee. Um, you know, that's kind of unbelievable to uh, Roger and Jane and the the reader. Um, but so it goes. And maybe that maybe that's confirmation that uh, that Ken is in fact still alive and around and active, right? Not just like buried in a mud hole somewhere. Um, and as they're driving, or you know, they had stopped, but the Humvee starts moving. Like, what's what's going on? Why are we moving? And we pan to outside, and there's like some kind of weird killer vine that's like grabbed it. Um, like presumably a tree some... that has become animated. And yeah. like some Roger st- kind of puts a lampshade on it with, "I don't believe this. We've fallen into some bad '50s horror movie. Yeah, Only this is real." <laughs> I thought it was kind of like a G.I. Joe cartoon kind of thing. It's like a cobra's made the vines attack. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That does. Uh, that That's, yeah. I mean, it's, we'll, we'll keep going here. <laughs> it's pretty random. It's not, not the most weird thing of this issue anyway. Um, so yeah, it kind of tips the Humvee up on its side. Uh, uh, Duck is, you know, grabbing her belly again, sort of like she's in pain or hurt. She's like, Jane, help me, the baby. And then I'll get an abortion to you right away. I'm gonna <laughs> uh, imagine what that would have happened as a result of that. But um then we get a star brand flash. So basically this nice image of like the silhouette of the Humvee, uh, all of the 
you know, tree branches, the limbs that were like wrapped around it are all kind of blown away uh, by the star brand light. Um, so again, getting that, more clues that, that the baby's doing something here. Yeah, the image is nice, I gotta admit. Yeah, the duck's the... initial winter outfit in the beginning of the book and then that star brand flash. Right. Top two moments so far. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> So the truck's tipped on its side. Everybody's kind of like, uh, you know, flopped over. It doesn't look like there are too many seatbelts being used. Um, but yeah, it's like something is protecting them, basically, as, as they go along. Uh, but Maddie, uh, Debbie, Duck, whatever, uh, Duck is in trouble. Saying, oh, Jane, pain, I feel real bad. I'm just like, Roger, help. It's going into labor here? No? It's like, real helpful, Roger. Uh, and then Duck starts screaming. Let me point out that uh, Jane doesn't uh, like take off her pants or anything. Um, right. <laughs> like... well, I, I, I read it kind of like there's no time to. Like, it's just everything's happening so fast. That's reasonable, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> Duck's <laughs> obviously in pain, and it's uh... Duck's obviously in pain. Uh, uncomfortable series of panels of her basically screaming and everybody else basically doing nothing until a baby hand rips out from her stomach, uh, right through the abdomen there, right through, yeah. And then, uh, thankfully, it's it's not really drawn too grisly, though it is grisly. Um, yeah completely like bloodless Um, and then we turn the page to a flying glowing baby hovering above them which then zips off into outer space because of course it does (laughs) I hope you're all happy with yourselves all you people from the uh, creator credits there's no uh, umbilical cord there's no uh, gender um, signifiers (laughs) There's no mess. Yeah. Yeah. And to be honest, he also, I mean, how old does that baby look? Several months. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't what a newborn looks like at all. No. Also, they don't generally fly into space. Well, so far, yeah. Not all I mean, I was like, maybe that's just my kid. Yeah, okay. Yeah. She didn't fly into space. But... So, the, so they threw away the duck. The duck has been thrown away at this point. And I guess I still got to read the rest of this comic, is what you're saying? Um, you know, the paper shredder. Sort of schedule. Like, <laughs> did have you on it, but uh, I don't know. I can pick up the threads of this travesty i can keep going next page we get the skipper which also crushes my hopes and dreams because it's jerk skipper like he it was the the character who worked for the cia and uh side force who <laughs> was supposed to help them uh but now is apparently trying to hunt them down and maybe blames them for the death of his ex-wife which i mean shouldn't you be celebrating <laughs> they never seem very close right. so i mean do you think this is the cypher skipper i mean oh you think it's just a generic skipper it does have the wrong hair color i mean it's like something like i couldn't tell if it was uh a guy just talking to his boss hey mm. skipper but um it's it's it could go either way i mean yeah i think maybe you're right because it doesn't really look like him 
it's it it did not uh dwell on this guy whoever it was yeah um, and they, they've been having so many like connections between books and like characters lately but i guess i just kind of assumed um but anyway it's just some random dude then uh who's picking up a blip on the radar and they scramble some jets right so you know apparently their radar is pretty good it's like too small to be a, a plane too fast to be a bird but it looks soft biological like how in the world can you tell that <laughs> i thought it was just like a yeah a blip yeah right. I, okay yeah soft biological <laughs> this guy's liking this baby on the radar a little too much <laughs> for my liking <laughs> uh, so they scramble some air force jets um who of course can see a baby from that far away of, of course <laughs> they're going like 800 miles an hour right like two, is that a simpsons thing like the, the jets are scrambled to like catch the old wright brothers plane it's like we're going too fast to intercept <laughs> <laughs> we're powerless oh yeah anyway the, the baby again looks a little older than it did last time um it's definitely still kind of genderless but in my brain thinks boy for some reason but uh it's just kind of floating there disinterested looking to be perfectly honest um we cut... much like the creator <laughs> we cut back to roger and jane who have already buried duck like that was fast like maybe flip the humvee over and like take her back somewhere for a, something a little more proper there they uh i don't know if you uh, remember star trek uh generations i want to say kirk was like buried in this makeshift pile of rocks on that like planet that's going first thing that reminded me of i don't know it's very yeah like there's a like a stick with a sign and a pile of rocks right it's like they just put a little sharpie note on there like come on people uh, well, he does say the Jeep is useless. So, okay. I guess. The Jeep is useless, or these two characters are useless. Indeed. I, I like Roger immediately starts bad-mouthing Ken again. Right. Yeah, and that, that was such a weird line. It's like, Maddie would understand she was a good kid, except for when she was hooked up with that Connell idiot. And like, even, even if you don't like Ken, like, that doesn't make her bad. <laughs> Uh, she was a good kid yeah so anyway <laughs> who is this roger guy um <laughs> uh, so yeah they start trashing ken you know they don't know what to do and better start hiking out uh, then we're about a mile from the edge of the pit there's supposed to be a base or something uh and then a random giant wolf shows up like I, maybe wolf dog i i don't know quite what to to call it but like about as big as an elephant <laughs> that i'm even less sure of because yeah. its perspective is changes so much from page to page there but uh, um i mean big picture yeah we've got this weird like an animated tree that attacks them and then a giant or mutated wolf or dog something in that family so we've got this whole like yeah, post-apocalyptic landscape that um, that's right around the pit now. Yeah, it's turning a little bit more fancy apocalyptic landscape. 
Right. Anyway, that thing doesn't last long. The weird, I'm going to say probably dog makes more sense if it was a mutated creature. Uh, it leaps towards them, explodes into a pile of goop, and then Space Baby Head shows up. Because, of course, it does. <laughs> it says, hello, Roger. Hello, Jane. Giants. <laughs> hello, giant floating Space <laughs> Baby Head. How are you today? <laughs> Um, apparently it's speaking in Maddie's or Duck's voice. Um, though I mean, so when I, when I redo all its dialogue and hello, Roger, hello, Jane, <laughs> Maddie is here. I sensed her essence departing as I freed myself. I felt a need to maintain a closeness with her, so I absorbed it. Absorbed. <laughs> The essence was very weak. Now it's stronger. It's a part of me. <laughs> You're Maddie's baby? You've, you've come back? Yes. And no. I am the child of Madeline, Maddie Felix and Kenneth Connell. Uh, this I know as I know many things. But I am not here with you. I sensed your distress and sent a part of me to help you. But I am still many miles from here in a place called Bangladesh. I felt a need for some water, you know, undrinkable water <laughs> and lack of sanitation. Sorry, Bangladesh. You're not wrong. I mean, why of all places would you? I don't know. Uh, we can we can go back. Okay, I think that was my favorite part of the issue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is like part of you. You mean your head is here, but the rest of you—that's that's the part you're confused about, Rogers. <laughs> Not that the baby could talk or has magical powers or that uh, decided to murder Duck. It's um, uh, Roger is so slow on the uptake here that like, yeah. 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 So uh, um, to Jane's credit, she kind of gives the talking giant space baby head some shit. Uh, it's like this is strange. That's <laughs> Maddie's voice. Maddie never talked like that. It's like I know, I know much of my mother did. I I know much my mother did not, Jane. As I grew within her body, my mind reached out, probing, learning, um, and yada yada. It basically gives the like the end of Blade Runner speech. I've seen so many things, you know. I mean, during gestation, gestation, this this baby was astral projecting all over the solar system somehow, and uh, yeah. Until and still somehow too stupid to not kill its mom. Exactly. Yes. Right. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, it's actually kind of interesting. Like Jane calls the it out. Um, how can you be who you say you are? How can you have so much power and still have murdered your mother? And it's like murdered. <laughs> like all of a sudden it's doing its Roger impression. Uh, <laughs> yes, murdered. You killed her. You say you absorbed her, but only your voice is Maddie Felix. Nothing else is her. Nothing. It's like, no, Jane, you are wrong. He's like, oh, am I? And let me talk to her. You say she's still there inside you. Let her tell me she's all right. She's happy. Well, then giant, she's having a conversation with a disembodied astral space baby head. Keep this in mind. So just floating there. It's like, well, I cannot. And I guess that's it. It just kind of disappears. <laughs> Back to Bangladesh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know whether it's better to pick a fight with a like godlike 
baby head being, but <laughs> she was trying to abort it earlier. So yeah, I mean, you'd think he'd take that personally, but I'm yeah. gonna finish the job one way or another. Justice is after Ken. Jane is after the space baby. Maybe they finally found up. your nemesis. Whatever. <laughs> oh. So yeah, it's like somehow in this bizarro comic, uh, there's at least one character that sounds somewhat reasonable, uh, at least for a minute. Uh, you know, it's like the whole world's turned inside out since Connell re- revealed himself to be the star brand. But even with everything as crazy as it is, death is still death. Except for when it's not, because some of the other characters can't die. But um, yeah, and then we get a, a close-up of the, the little thing the, the note they posted on the stick on the rubble pile grave, Maddie Felix, 1964 to 1988. So at least we know how old Duck is. Yeah, she's uh, a couple years. I think I want to say Ken is 61. So, you know, they're their 20s. Pretty reasonable. Yeah, yeah. 61. <clears throat> um, yeah, I don't know. So they're still kind of lost in the middle of the snowstorm. Uh, they get interrupted by mm, dudes in like toxic waste suits. They, they kind of look like what was it like AIM from AIM Marvel is Comics? What I was yeah, thinking, those, yeah, those funny cylinder head things. Yeah, like, what the blazes are you doing head. out here? It's a restricted area. It's like um, from March of Dimes. <laughs> <laughs> Just burying a uh, woman and saying goodbye to a baby and nothing to see here uh so those guys basically you know grab roger and jane bring them back to some kind of base that's built up um we hear them talking about uh the pit area some interesting little tidbits i guess like the air is full of atomized pittsburgh pit juice some of them are calling it and these two were out there alone unprotected for a couple hours at least the other guy says well there's no evidence exposure to pit juice causes any paranormal development and he's like well not yet anyway either way it's going to be a while before these folks can go home it's like i just freaking leave them in there i don't care about these guys <laughs> uh, why are we spending so much time on roger and jane is <laughs> an interesting question for this comic book uh so we get even more you know they talk about being interrogated you know they're they're wearing some new gear uh it's like I feel like we dropped in the middle of Nazi Germany. There's one Percy thing. See Roger. <laughs> oh my gosh! Every I, I can just see that every time this guy like misses a bus, he's like, oh, "I feel like I'm in the middle of Nazi Germany." <laughs> ah, jeez, get off the cross, Roger. You're... And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. It's like there's one thing I know: these guys may have been able to lock us away without any trouble. They're not going to be able to do that with that kid. The world just changed again. And this time, we're the only ones who know about it. So a big splash page at the end with another kind of star brand looking flash in space, which I don't know if that's just an image or if that's something that's happening. It's just kind of random. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with like, yeah, just kind of like. Like symbolic. The baby is out there, you know, somewhere, and we don't know what he what he's doing or even what he is. <laughs> Thanks. Why is this floating baby in a Bangladeshi whorehouse? I don't know. 
<laughs> I could have gone anywhere, anywhere on earth. Came here. <laughs> we do get a next issue, The Search for Ken Connell. Don't miss The Sins of the Father in 60, 60 Glorious Days. Ugh. And then some stuff. Well, let's take a moment and note. Um, so, uh, as we said, the, the new, new universe books are a little longer, 32 pages. They got, you know, spaced out with uh, either a longer story or some backup material. You notice this uh, this cuts at 22 pages. I am out. Right. With two totally unnecessary splash pages, too. <laughs> This is not, uh, yeah, not like the uh, exciting opening to the comic is characters standing there talking to someone. <laughs> Little, uh, yeah, the art was not. Uh, you notice a lot of really, I mean, for the time, a lot of really big panels too, like just really large art, uh, which is fine. And it looks maybe a little like most comics do that now, but like back in '88, like things were a lot more dense. So this seems like get it done quick, knock it out, not have to draw too much. Maybe we just yeah. had the floating baby head because they didn't feel like drawing the rest of the body. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, it's... Um, I mean, the breakdown sort of implies like a, a you know rather loose work on Burns' behalf. Um and I don't know. I mean, between that and the the large panels, everything sort of spaced out. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. Well, R.I.P. Debbie. Um, I think we had this conversation. I forget if it was on podcast or not. It was like, maybe Duck's not dead? Just Maddie, someone named Maddie Felix is dead? Yeah, I think we 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 proposed this, and uh, we were talking Earl, uh, off off mic that uh, you know they don't even refer to her by the same name. So who is who who are we to say that this is really Debbie Duck? Maddie Felix died. Who you know? It's a shame. She was seems like a nice young woman, but who's to say she's this duck fix that we saw before? Right, Debbie fix, duck fix. You could totally imagine Ken Connell having a relationship with some twins. <laughs> right? Even the art's a little I off. I can't remember model. which one I took to Denny's and which one I took to Arby's. <laughs> um, we are somehow centered now on Roger and Jane Price, who we don't, you know... We don't, only... even, we don't even know who they are, really. Yeah, we know nothing about them other than they're friends of Maddie Felix, who we also, I'm not really sure that we know. Um, death is very permanent, except when Ken comes back to life at least twice and the old man three or four times. Right. <laughs> um, and Myron is a ghost, which is a thing. He's maybe somehow the witness caused this, though? Which doesn't make any sense either. Yeah. And how does the baby even have the star brand power? Biggest question of the day of the day. <laughs> Why? I mean, if you are gonna say that like 
the star brand is passed along. What is the star brand like fixed on the side of a spermatozoa as it goes through the uh... 500 years of Dutch count? He never, uh, I mean, they didn't never have great yeah. birth control back then. That was that was a thing, actually. I was I was thinking, you know, why would you have this like, oh, uh, this guy's been here for 500 years with the power. If you said like, oh, like his descendants are spread all over the earth and they're the people who became paranormals. That could have kind like, of worked. That would have worked. Um, but they don't. Even, yeah. you know, I was going to say the, um, I mean, at that that's like at a time even when people were like shipping all over the world. So it's not like, oh, you know, how can you be racially diverse if you're, yeah. the guy could have been in Africa and Asia and even North America and still 500 years later, you'd have like a descendant with this spark of yeah whatever and it would i would also give you an out if you wanted to decide that the new universe was a lot of the paranormality was centered around like europeans right or you know oh, yeah i mean European settled areas like a lot in the united states europe and maybe a little russia but less so in the other parts of the world I don't know. <laughs> that also works yeah so you know why are you being so focused on the u.s well most of them are here because this guy was knocking boots for 200 years plus i don't know yeah. yeah the physics of it don't work um this reminds me of well actually there's several things but uh yeah so the baby as written i mean star baby is obviously uh reminiscent of 2001 Right. Where it just sort of comes in at the end and is, I don't know that it's even doing anything. It's just like a image that you get. Um, next stage in human something. The there's also like a famous sci-fi novel called Childhood's End. This hmm. is don't know that one. I I don't think it's about babies though. It's more of like one of the like there's a generation born where people where they have psychic powers or something. I don't know why. Maybe that's not even appropriate. Um. So yeah, let's see. You have uh, a reference to fifties horror, which is maybe kind of how it how this feels. Is the pit area around the pit is like a month or two after like the DP seven um events so maybe things have changed but it's definitely become pretty weird yeah um, um less like know. well i mean there's maybe that's just the art you know it's really easy to just do a quick snowy landscape kind of stuff but they never run into like broken cities or rubble or much of anything it's all just kind of empty zones so okay fair enough um so let me let me see i mean i don't know i had various <laughs> notes on this that i wanted to like but there's like other things which aren't really the, the story itself um yeah i'm back to like the stalin quote again death of a million a million is is just a statistic is when death of one is a tragedy mm -hmm. so like Killing everyone in Pittsburgh last issue it, like was less traumatic 
for us than killing this character that we assuming it's her know and like because you know she's a very likable character light and sort of you know um actually kind of nice right (laughs) yeah yeah um who i mean yeah it was one of the nice things in that book technically last issue barb and her kids were both vaporized for all we know so we we hadn't seen them for a while so out of sight out of mind indeed um so yeah we um this book has issues um book has issues Yeah, so, it's just like one little one thing after another. It's just everything's just bizarre. The the focusing on the random side characters who are either not both not fleshed out and not interesting. Um killing off Duck for no particularly good reason. Uh Ghost of Myron. Like, are we really gonna be stuck with this? Like every time we see Ken, there's gonna be have this like annoying voice in his head. Or maybe they'll just throw it out and never re- revisit again. That's <laughs> like, and then is the main character the space baby? Is the space baby some weird force of nature? Does Justice now need to kill the space baby? <laughs> like, will someone just get rid of it, and no, I don't have to read it anymore? I mean, yeah, I, the the idea as as described in Marvel Age of the the other people will get the star brand and we'll see, you know, it acts very differently, you know, your imagination, your whatever. And so, I mean, you can imagine Debbie having a very different whatever yeah. power than Ken had. She's not whatever. Um, Yeah. Maybe she would be able to heal people with it. I don't know. Yeah, it also kind of makes it even more of like a ripoff of the Green Lantern ring, though. It's like limited only by your willpower and then kind of your imagination for what kind of funky green constructs you can make kind of thing. You know, so like the Kyle Rayner does the artistic stuff, whereas Hal Jordan just does more basic stuff. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I'd be. Like I say, it's sort of. It, it seems like you could go somewhere with that story in a play interesting way. And it definitely would have been more interesting than <laughs> killing Debbie and giving it to a baby who we also don't know. Right. You could have just had Ken give the power to someone else. That also, yeah. Right. Uh yeah. Um, which but then he would have still retained ten percent of that power, which is still infinite, so then Okay. That whole thing isn't working out very well at all. <laughs> um yeah, the, the the frustrations mount here. Um there there's this constant feeling that we are being lied to as well. The Myron is telling Ken not to lie to Duck. The Jane calls out this baby for lying to her. So like it it's this constant theme of like we'll give you an explanation or we'll give you a statement and then two seconds later someone's like wait that doesn't make sense that's no that's not right yeah well i mean like since burn has taken over we've gotten all this random stuff like all right he's a superhero no he's not a superhero there's a guy who knows his identity oh no that guy's vaporized right it's like like it is 
I don't the know how it can feel flowing, so static and yet nothing burn gets through all this yeah. plot, you know, stuff. Stuff that you could keep going for for a decent amount of time with any of these elements. And instead it's yeah, like here's one, now it's trash. Here's another one. That's also trash. What are you going for then? I don't right. what's the end goal of this? <laughs> you could have told the story about what happened to Ken after the pit and how he felt and like or or no. <laughs> um okay. So yeah. Yeah, before I get into uh, more more stuff, should we? Is, is it even worth grading? Easy F, man. <laughs> you know, usually I argue with you, but uh, I was like, is it worth giving it a D minus? I mean, there's recognizable things on the page. I don't know. <laughs> I could read the words. Yeah, I'll give it an F too. Some people like the the new direction i think but yeah I'm, I'm not seeing it either from a this one even from like a comics standpoint is just so problematic i think i mean beyond I my personal disdain for uh killing a character i like i'll be honest i i mean i only i i mostly remember like the pit and that like issue or two leading up to it and then i don't remember much of where we go from here except there's more vague sense of frustration yeah but uh, i think i maybe only made it like two more issues after this and then i quit reading it so there will be some stuff i had totally never read before i yeah um and i mean yeah so yeah the the bottom line is um you know maybe there's you know some idea of where to go with it but it's nothing that's coming through on the page um it's it's an it goes from like a dark direction to an even darker one oh yeah the uh you know the from community the darkest timeline mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, they have like this you know sort of a what if show where like um one of, one of them, like, you know, it's like, oh, what if we did this? And then, you know, like five minutes happen. And then, well, what if we did this other thing? And it sort of plays out differently. And there's yeah. one where it's like everything goes wrong and like half of them are dead or dying and the apartment's on fire or something. Oh, That's how it feels. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's see. So other notes, they're sort of off, off, uh, beyond the comic itself so i think um i've never read the next men john burns in a, um, independent series mm -hmm. from, uh, dark horse but i think there was uh, from the wikipedia article there was something about um superpowers as like sexually transmitted in that okay weird <laughs> weird thing to use there yeah um there's uh, I was going to say it's also set on February 29th which is given as uh, Superman's birthday mm -hmm. in the DC universe um, I don't know if that's a call out but it was a leap, leap year in 1988 so that was an actual day oh okay um, 
the uh, the whole thing reminds that me. That makes me bit. feel better about the whole thing. <laughs> Factoid. World outside your window. Um, there was a essay by Larry Niven, science fiction author, uh, called "Man of Steel, Woman of Kleenex," which uh, this is from like the seventies, but it sort of went through the problems that would happen between, uh, well, basically sex between a Kryptonian and a human. Mm. You can imagine there's various like physical problems that would uh, uh, be mismatched in that situation, and. I don't think, you know, having the kid be so strong, it would burst out of the uterus or something, but possibly that was one of the options. Yeah. Again, like if it wasn't already like supremely intelligent and self-aware. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it it you I definitely also Ken could turn off the power, right? So like but that's yeah. So Ken just let doesn't. It go. It's not the same situation with Ken. He can turn it off, or it shouldn't be transmissible to his children. I don't understand how they're going to do that. Yeah. You have a lot of skin to skin contact, and if your thing is a tattoo that you know is on your skin, <laughs> well, I think I it's pretty clear that we care about these characters more than that particular writer did. So. <laughs> Probably yeah. put more thought into it as well. It is interesting the references to the pit juice, the black event they start calling the pit. So, in like, um, you know, opposition to the white event, you now have the black event. And between the pit juice and maybe just the flash of it, you've got you'll have a new wave of paranormals. I don't know if that's where like the two in a million comes in or not. But oh, right. is this the number from the initial white event or not? I don't know. Um, I also want to throw out there was like a miracle man had a like, uh, what is it? I just looked it up. Miracle man number nine, this like series, you know, written by Alan Moore that was published by Eclipse in the 80s. They spent a whole issue on the birth of his daughter. Like his wife gives birth and it doesn't like kill her. It just has a normal childbirth, but like they're off in the woods somewhere. So Miracle mm. Man delivers the baby and it's shown in graphic detail. Mm, okay. Yeah. I, I, let's just say I haven't gone back and look at that one in a long time. <laughs> that, that, that ranks right there with like this, like the scene of the baby coming out in this. Like who wants to see that? Like who wants to draw that? You know, in, in in some point, you're you're like, all right, we're gonna push the envelope. We're gonna show you something you've never seen before. But is it something people really want to see? You never asked yourself that, did you, Mister Smarty right. Pants? I'm just gonna do that voice for Roger all the time now. <laughs> well, Mister Smarty Pants, you didn't ask yourself that, did you? I'm just hoping he never shows up again. Uh, what do we really need to finish his arc? Like. <laughs> such a useless boring character <laughs> yeah the they... guy who knows there's a space baby i don't know okay that's 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 my random notes from everything in the <laughs> information zone uh, yeah, after that we get the state of the union address which we've kind of covered uh ronald reagan wants to draft the paranormals uh which is an upcoming thing 
we got the two-page spread pinup of DP7, um, which which is a little spoilery. Did not expect that one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> couldn't even get like a Maddie Felix Debbie Duck memorial page. We got DP7 instead. Yeah, I couldn't. I mean, does it look like Paul Ryan to you? That's kind of hard to tell. Yeah, it's it could go either way with me here. I hate to say it, but there's some definitely some expressions that are uh, very Ryan looking, but uh, maybe just him, but with a different anchor or something. There you go. But yeah, like the that's just like a big action scene, kind of like a random. Uh, but Stephanie's up and out awake, and uh, Mastodon's holding the like pit bull character, which we've only seen like on a on a cover. That's like Got coming next issue, yeah. yeah. And then we have kind of a know, honestly not terribly interesting profile on Ken Connell in his superhero outfit. Um, they I'm, use the Debbie Duck one, yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised they even put this in here since clearly they didn't want to do anything with the character. But <laughs> uh, it's uh, yeah, he looks more heroic in this than he ever did on the page, and uh, it's like a burn drawn face. Rather than yeah. like Ramita Jr., but but it's then, funny yeah. because they've been using like his image in the in the house ads, like subscribe or I'll blow up your city, kind of like crap. Like it's just like just dumping on the character, basically. <laughs> and then yeah, the the there's a panel on the bottom that you you pointed out as like he looks particularly stupid and yeah, oh, thinking makes my brain hurt. <laughs> um, we learned that he is a a uh, non-practicing Catholic, okay, former auto mechanic. Um, but I don't know. The the basic description of the Star Brand is the same as we've heard before. So right, which doesn't really match how we're using it anymore. But <laughs> that's also true. And then there's a the letters page. Yes, yeah, a letters page, and surprisingly, people are up are upbeat about issue eleven. Right. I, mean, I understand being happy after, you know, eight to ten. Well, ten was okay. But uh, they're like, oh, burn. Well, this is great. Mm. <laughs> they're they're pretty hoping. upbeat. And that was the issue where it was like, he's a superhero. Let's not show him do anything. <laughs> That's right. Uh it's, that seemed much more clear to me now than when I was um, yeah, yeah, my memories of it. So I don't know how how uh, normal that was. It's got um, the editor does says um, Maddie uh, parentheses Debbie's real name for those of you who haven't been paying attention. It literally switches back and forth in the space of one panel. Yeah. Do we think? Like, isn't there a real person that's named like Debbie Fix or something like that? Maybe somebody that's, that Shooter knew. Yeah, you you see it in some um, photos from Valiant. Uh, it was like his personal assistant or something. There's a Debbie mm-hmm. Fix, and so she doesn't they, look anything like. Maybe they Debbie changed Fix. the name so they didn't feel like they were killing off that real person. I don't know. That's a, at least a, a, a an explanation. I've also heard people theorize that Burn just didn't read very carefully and was like, 
we'll just call her this. And like some later stage, the editor's like, wait, her name's something else. Really? Uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. If you're like, um, shooter names someone after his friends, but then he and his friends are lead the company. Yeah. It could be like a, mm-hmm. I don't want to dump yeah. on this person with a. But yeah, you're right. Like the the letters are are pretty positive about uh, eleven initially, and then um, you know there's a letter from the hard to pronounce looking name from California who talks about eleven and twelve, uh, like the issue with the X Men on the cover, um, and was also like positive about that. You know. Uh, mesmerized by the story once amusing thought-provoking fascinating merciless and horrifying in the face of the brutal inevitability of its climax um it's like okay that's maybe a little overstated (laughs) um okay and then they gave it four stars uh, for issue 12 that was the kirill kundunarizief uh on the right hand side of the the first letters page but right yeah, the uh, Kirill Kondorazov, <laughs> um, Stacy Dorchester in the next um, letter, and the last one in this issue, Robert Kowalski, had all written letters to uh, Justice this month as well and were published over there. So I didn't go back and look for more repeat letter writers, but... There's a good chance that actually you you know there's like a hardcore group that's you know pumping out letters all the time that <clears throat> that they end up like uh, selecting from. So true, but also remember when we talked to Mike Rockwitz and he said like they had, they had maybe flubbed and made some fake letters. <laughs> yeah, which is also a good uh, question. So. Well, no, there's no say, no, no telling now who uh, who these people are, but we'll try to uh, keep our eyes open for repeat letter hacks, as they were called back then. Yeah, it's a good eye. I wouldn't have picked up on that. Um, it, the, the last thing I thought that was interesting in the letters is uh, in the last editor response, um, you know, he talks about how the the damage or destruction of Pittsburgh, what we know as the Black Event. Um, and the black event will create some new paranormals, magnify powers of existing ones, and mutate others in a way not yet seen in the new you. Oh, by the way, don't exclude Jenny Swenson, aka Spitfire, from these changes. In an upcoming issue of DP7, the effects of bathing in pit juice will be shown, and they'll have to be seen to believe to be believed. So um, again, like are they gonna give if her powers <laughs> or are they talking about that weird muted pitbull looking guy well, i don't know i do remember this but it would be spoilery to say so okay i will leave you to ponder these future developments hopefully <laughs> jenny swenson all of a sudden can spit fire uh i did the universe news we've gone over before it's the one with peter david but mm-hmm. i totally um misread something like the bottom cor- right corner yeah which um i thought that uh joanne spaldo 
uh, was Howard Mackey's assistant for a while, um, had just gone to another thing at Marvel, but it does say um, the Hollywood Halls of Marvel Comics will be a little gloomier without the effervescent presence of juicy Joanne Spaldo. And uh, so she had left Marvel completely at this point. So um, she has a very uh, un unusual character profile. So a little weird sure. to call her juicy Joanne, though, right? <laughs> That's an odd I mean, thing to call someone. The the whole like yeah profile sort of I couldn't tell whether it was like she was in on the joke or they were like sexually harassing her a lot. I don't know. One or the other. <laughs> A good question. Um, we do get a next issue page of Starbrand kind of sneak peek at the next cover because you know we need to waste more space here <laughs> as far as things go. Um, where it looks like a showdown between some hobo and the space baby with Trump hair. <laughs> <laughs> I've had about enough of you with this. Uh, you look at yourself, you need. Blue jeans, really? That's how you dress? Uh, yeah, that's uh, coming up next time. Uh, Sins of the Father. It's a lot of stuff to go over today. Mostly our... I don't know if you ever see Disappointment and <laughs> just general not wanting to read issue 14. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's it's a... Uh, I don't know. We 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 like the characters we like, you know. Uh, and this was not a development either of us was happy with. Um, overall, there's various other technical issues with this that. Um, well, anyway, I I don't know if you you know the meme. My disappointment is immeasurable, and my day is ruined. You can get a gif of a guy saying that. <laughs> that's about where we're at with that one. Starbrand, even though it is the flagship and I think the best uh, selling new universe title, um, kind of falls down on our uh, estimation a bit uh, in the last couple of issues. So it's time to take a walk over to another title. That is it for this week's episode. Next time, the new new universe moves on back to the runaways that have split in all directions. Cyforce number 20. Ooh, made it to an issue 20. <laughs> uh, yeah, Cyforce 20. Uh, while Wayne and Tyrone learn more about Lindsay Fellowman's powers, they discover that their Cyforce teammates have been captured by the U.S. government. Well, that never goes well. Uh, will the pair leave their Canadian hiding place? It's Wolverine protecting them. Uh, to help their friends, the answer may surprise you. The Girl with the Faraway Eyes, written by Fabian Nicieza, penciled by Ron Lim, inked by Romeo Tangal. 32 pages to be determined how many of those are story pages. Hey, can you guys come over and help us out? No. <laughs> what? We're, we're pretty happy in Canada, really. We're safe up here. What? They're, <laughs> they're talking about starting a draft. Canada's the best place for us, to be honest. That's fair. So until next time, you can once again find our website, kickersinc.com, or you can email us at newuniversepodcast at gmail.com. This has been the voice of the new universe, and we will see you back at the spinner rack.
I feel too sad to, to give our fun closing statements. <laughs> uh, I mean, you can skip to the last. Although I, I will throw out the this sucks the mop. <laughs> this does suck the mop. <laughs> mop juice would be an improvement to this comic book. I can't believe they threw away the duck. I kind of can believe it, but I still can't believe it. <laughs> uh. All right. Say love you next time. <laughs>